Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. We're good? All right. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. You are now tuned in to another episode of High at Nine News. Thank you for joining, not only to get high at nine with us, but also high noon on the East Coast. My name is Rico Lamit. I'm the dopest dad on the street. It's Friday, March 24th, and today is National Cheesesteak Day. A nice consolation prize for all those Philadelphia Eagle fans out there still salty about last <laughs> month's Super Bowl loss. National Chocolate Covered Raisin Day, because apparently dipping anything nasty into chocolate makes it more palatable. And finally, National Cocktail Day, serving as a wholesome reminder to Americans everywhere that even on days like this, when it seems that lice and lice, life has given you no place else to turn, you can always turn the fuck up. Everybody out there watching, please like, share, and hit the subscribe button. Follow us on uh, at Hyatline News across all social media platforms. And we're live weekday mornings on YouTube and Twitch, audio only on Clubhouse. And if you do choose the Clubhouse route, you can participate in the show by raising your hand with a brief comment on the story presented. And um, Jason Beck is he, he is going to be joining us a little bit later, but uh, we have a special guest today. He has one half of the legal duo known for the famous phrase, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Oh, man, is in the house today. Mark Wasserman, the better looking of the Wasserman brothers, is in the place to be today with Shut the Fuck Up Friday segment. What you got for us, Mark? Thank you very much, Rico. I'm always happy to be here. And today I am talking about a case that we wrapped up just yesterday. And here's the deal. Two years ago, a 21-year-old college student was getting gas. While backing up, she accidentally hit the ice machine, causing some minor damage. The gas station attendant called the cops. Two officers arrived on the scene. Now, this young lady feeling like, hey, this is an accident. I'm insured. This is going to be a, a deal for Geico to take care of. The cops come. And one of the officers who took the lead was actually in training, we would come to find out, as we were watching all the video and going through everything, our client spoke with the gas station attendant, apologized, gave her insurance information. And then when the cops came, the gas, the, the gas station attendant actually said she was, is very calm and polite for somebody who just caused an accident. I think she's on drugs, being calm and polite. So the cops smelled some cannabis, asked her if she smoked. Unfortunately, she said, I smoked the bowl this morning and it was now 6 p.m. at night. So she didn't STFU. 
And the officer in training would then turn the body cam off and on at certain points throughout the investigation. And during the course of the investigation, this person unfortunately did the field sobriety test, which in California are voluntary. Google your state. She did those tests. I saw the videos. I say she passed them. The cop said she didn't and arrested her. Now, after they arrested her, they went into the car to search because after you're arrested without a warrant, they can go into your car, search incident to a lawful arrest, and they found a vial of cocaine that actually belonged to her boyfriend. So they find the cocaine. They bust her for this BS cannabis DUI and the cocaine. We are able to run motions. The city prosecutor initially wanted jail time, and I'm screaming and yelling, this is not a DUI. This is a freaking accident. It was a car accident. Your cops smelled some pot. This person said she smoked. And now all of a sudden, everybody's going all crazy and you want her in jail. So we file our motions. We did a motion to dismiss a 1538 attacking. First time we've done this, the actual DUI stop and poking holes in that saying, this is BS. She never should have been arrested. Therefore, you never should have searched and you never would have found the coke. So we had all these motions set yesterday. We're ready to go. It's also set for trial. We're ready to go. The prosecutors oh, you know, wet, reckless. No, no, no. If you want to offer car accident and the corresponding vehicle code, then we could do that. And ultimately, after about an hour of back and forth arguing and angering with the judge, we cut the deal. Now, here's the kicker. After we were all done, the prosecutor came up to me out of court and said, I'm thinking of coming over to the other side. Can you help me out? I want to be a private criminal defense attorney. And I think uh, the shellacking that he took from us really kicked him over the edge because it was one of those things where his supervisors were telling him, you've got to figure this out and do something. We're throwing you into the wolves. So we took care of it, got the case dismissed, and it's shut the fuck up Friday. And I want to remind everybody, remember these 25 words. Why did you pull me over? I'm not discussing my day. Am I being detained or am I free to go? I invoke the fifth. And then shut the fuck up and Google your state's DUI laws, whether or not you have to do the field sobriety test, on-site breathalyzer, a lot of states, those are voluntary. So learn those laws, be safe going into the weekend and shut the fuck up when cops ask questions. Man, oh man, oh man, Mark. <laughs> I mean, oh. Can I ask a question? Yes. When you say that they, these tests are voluntary, are they really voluntary? Or if I say no, am I going to go sit in a uh, jail cell while I try out or whatever they think I need to do? So in California and, and a lot of other states, they are absolutely voluntary. And cops are actually supposed to tell you 
you know, these are volunteers, but they don't. These are for me to find out and to help you to make sure you're okay. So they're absolutely voluntary. You should never, ever do them because you will fail. They, it's subjective. And if you go like this and touch your nose right here, well, now you're off about a centimeter and they're going to say you missed it. And that's what they use to now say you're impaired because chances are they didn't pull you over for going all crazy. They pulled you over because you didn't use your blinker or you were speeding. So absolutely voluntary in a lot of states, along with the on-site breathalyzer. Then after arrest, that's where they get you. If you refuse the chemical test, then like here in California, DMV will take your license for one year under the implied consent law. And that runs across different states. I know there are a few states where if you refuse the field sobriety test, they take your license. So that's why it's just important, especially when you're traveling to different states and driving around, you want to know those laws. I guess I don't understand your clarification there. So yes, they will just say, go on your merry way. You didn't take the test. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. The cop's going to get pissed and he's going to oh. tell you what you can't help me try to figure out if you're OK. This is going to go where I'm going to arrest you if you don't do those tests. And then and so what? you should let them arrest you. Absolutely. Because guess what? Okay. You're going to do the test. They're going to arrest you anyway. Exactly. They're always going to arrest you. That's what I've they do. Heard so many police reports where that's what they say. And then that's what they do after the client complies. And I thought you said you weren't going to arrest me. No. So you can't fall for those tricks. Okay. Well, maybe uh, it's, you know, cute white girl here. I have been pulled okay. over, asked to do a sobriety test. I did one. I was pissed as hell when I got pulled over. And you're absolutely correct. I was pulled over because of a taillight out. Um, but I was coming out of a bar at the end of, it was like maybe one in the morning, but I had just gotten off my shift working the news. So I didn't get off till midnight. I had one drink and the guys tell me he can smell it on me. And I'm like, seriously, you gonna make me do this? Let's do this. And he let me go. I gave you're him, a girl. He just I gave him some attitude about walk. it. But I, like you said, I am a, whatever. You're a girl. <laughs> well, they let me go, but I gave him a lot of grief about him making me do it to begin with. The cops routinely abuse their power when they're conducting DUI investigations. Like, you know, I think Mark is talking about they cannot make you do the stupid pet tricks known as field sobriety tests, but they can make you submit to chemical testing. And sometimes they do roadside chemical testing with pseudoscientific equipment that is not really calibrated and cannot really give you scientifically accurate results. But I had a case once where um, my client was driving the vehicle and, uh, you know, they, they wanted my client to do a field sobriety test. And so the cop, you know, my client is sitting in the vehicle. The cop comes up on the driver's side and then there's a man, you know, standing right next to her. And then he tells her, you got to blow in this device. And he has the PAS device and he puts it right in front of his hips and he has her blow the device, you know, so she's. And the boyfriend is right next to her, right next to her, and they're both outraged that she had to submit to that abuse of police power, where basically she has to blow him in order to be set free. She blew Man. him. She blew him, huh? Well, she blew the the pass. Yeah, she huh. she blew the pass device. All oh, the pass. That's device. called a preliminary alcohol screening device, and it's based on junk science. It's a bunch of bullshit. But you know the. DMV can't take away your license if the cops do have probable cause to believe that you are under the influence and then they ask that you take it. And you, if you refuse, you had a choice. Yeah. Uh, 
chemical testing. It could be uh, blood, breath, or urine. Um, and so generally, like if you've been using cannabis, probably the best thing to use would be uh, if you've been using recently, do the urine test because they can't tell how recently you've been using. And if you have not been using recently, don't do the urine test. Do the blood test because that's going to be exculpatory. Mark, do what do you think? Too? I agree 100 percent with everything Omar just said. That's that's the way to do it if uh, you're in that in that situation. And again, I, I I reiterate, wherever you are in the country, learn those laws, know the DUI laws as they pertain to cannabis and alcohol. Ada, mm -hmm. if you have any cannabis in your blood, it's a DUI. Period. Hey Mark, uh, um, what if you're on a, a bird scooter? Can you That's get a motor vehicle? DUI? Okay. That's a motor vehicle. It has a motor. Yes. It's an electric motor vehicle. Same with a boat. That's why you have to wear a helmet. On a bird scooter? Yeah, on a bird. That's right. Everybody that is has very, very right. I've never seen anybody on a bird scooter with a helmet. I mean, right, well, hey, you guys have a happy Shut the Fuck Up Friday. Thanks for having me. I got to join my dad, who's 89 and about to hit 90 miles an hour in the batting cages. Yes. Nice. Happy birthday to Big Papa Wasserman, man. Thank tell you. Him to, yeah, tell him to knock one out of the park nice. for us, Mark. They'll be yes. homers today. Yes. Knock it out of the park. Oh, we're going to go to a quick commercial. We're going to be right back. Let's do it. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio and Spotify. Tune in now and check it out. Oh, yeah. Coming up next, that's right. We have the dope oh, dad himself. That's right. Rico Lameet, who may have some internet. Internet may be working over there today. He hasn't had one file up yet, so we're all just waiting for the internet gangbangers to come by and come shoot up his place and freeze him up. But we shall see how long he, his stream can stream. That's right. It is the dope dad himself, Rico Lameet. My stream is very strong today, Jason. As of now. So um, in February, Twitter became the first social media platform to allow cannabis advertising. It even offered a six-week incentive to, to jumpstart cannabis ad sales, matching new ad spending up to $250,000 on a one-to-one -one basis through the end of this month. Uh, with the first month now behind them, the first movers to try their luck, they're checking in with mixed results. It's important to note that ads from our industry face a ton of restrictions on the platform. Uh, mainstream businesses do not. After uh, first needing to apply for prior authorization from Twitter, companies need to be licensed in the states that they operate in and can only target people who are at least 21 in those markets. The trickiest part is that Twitter policy prohibits pro, um, promotion of drugs and drug paraphernalia, but it, does but it does allow the same businesses to promote their brands and services. So of course, it didn't take long for the first ads to get shut down. And the story from MJ Biz highlights a few of those. Um, one, uh, on the first day, Hemprico, a company that sells subscription filled with cannabis accessories, had its account disabled within three hours. Hemper CMO Angel Ferrer said he wasn't running anything he thought should be disabled. We weren't showing smoke 
we had a product with the box. It's not like they even reached out and offered direction. We want to spend and know that advertising is drying up on these platforms. Our money is green, just like everybody else's. Even after the first setback, Ferrer said that he'll EVP of marketing for Kiraleaf had a more positive experience as one of the first to launch a Twitter ad, cam ad campaign right out the gate. The campaign showed a vividly color colored pulsating backdrop with the text, click it for better cannabis. The ad ran for two weeks so the company could test whether it would result in clicks to its website. We see this as a strong brand awareness play for us. We're getting millions of impressions on and clicks. What we're not seeing is those clicks turning into sales. But that's the, not the purpose of the campaign. The purpose was to get more eyeballs on Curaleaf, and we succeeded there. Lynch said that she's excited to have a new channel to promote the company's products, and the team will create new content and revive that ad soon. Purple Rose Supply makes uh, molding, molding kits for joints and cigars. They're based out of Las Vegas. And like Curaleaf, also measuring success by click-throughs from ads to its website. Although percent of Purple Rose's budget is devoted to marketing, CMO Ravina Shima says it's too soon to tell how much of that will be going to, to Twitter ads. The company said that they submitted uh, a video ad aimed to show which burned faster, a joint or a canagar rolled with one of its kits. The ad was not approved. Shima said that the ad did not go through because it may have been ineligible. When a platform opens up and allows something like this, we should take advantage of it. I think because there's a lot of potential, but it's just too early. Some industry marketing experts say other platforms will likely follow Twitter's lead. Others believe the ads won't really open up until federal legalization hits. Rosie Matteo, uh, founder and CEO of Matteo Communications, is part of the first group. There's always fear of missing out. They all track each other. Real ad dollars are being spent, and advertising on social networks across the board is down. You can't click and buy, but you can direct people to stores for events, education days, and promos. You can facilitate a sale without facilitating a sale on the platform. The big question here nobody's really answering is how will companies see or measure the true return on their investments? You're spending real dollars on real ads on the biggest platform available, so why not? While companies like Curaleaf and Purple Rose can determine how many clicks that they get on their websites uh, with Twitter ads, they can't tell if they're even converting to sales. Sounds to me like a lot of the companies are jumping through the same sketchy hoops that they had to before on other platforms, spending money without really knowing for sure how effective the campaign was or if they'll get kicked off the platform or not. While advertising on Twitter can create brand awareness, you still can't sell directly because they won't let you connect to the platforms that do sell your shit. Lisa Buffo, um, founder and CEO of Cannabis Marketing Association says that main stations with smaller budgets and less options make it harder for cannabis companies to perform. The average cannabis business annual marketing budget is 50,000 or less and that operates, uh, that operator is under a lot more pressure to show a return on investment than mainstream companies. Even if they're going to spend on new platforms, they're running small tests to see if it works. Number one thing they're concerned about is targeting adults in legal markets that falls on the brand to establish that. Now, personally, I do have to say that I found it weird that the two companies highlighted in the article that either got kicked off Ember or had an, uh, an ad denied, Purple Rose, were both ancillary. But Curaleaf, on the other hand, actually sells weed, and they didn't seem to have any issues at all. We're only a month into the Twitter ad game, and I'm sure there will be lots more kinks to work out. But I'm interested in hearing what y'all's take. Has anybody else tried the? Um, has anybody else tried Twitter? I'm Rico Lamit, uh, the dopest dad on the street, for High Nine News.
You had, you try to run anything on there yet, Jason? I have not seen any ads for any cannabis on Twitter. But at the My same time, whenever I see sponsored, I just keep scrolling up. True. Well, okay, I would say other ways of, of burning dollars. Right. Like if you don't get the data back, like we're in the digital age, man. It's, it's kind of hard to justify spending a ton of money on that. Okay. Yeah. Well, here at Panoptic Strategies, we are actually wading into the Twitter ad war for clients, mm -hmm. uh, trying to figure it out. And I agree with everyone else on this article who says it's too damn early. Uh, I, I, I love y'all. Love y'all to death. However, you guys get all pissy when something doesn't happen overnight. Come on. We have to figure it out. You got to see how it's going to go. Yes, Rico Lamita. I, I said the kinks got to be worked out. Did I not just say that? I mean, good Lord. Everyone's like, oh, why isn't this working immediately? Come uh -huh. on. Oh, great. my God. Uh, the fact that this is even oh happening my. is a good thing. And <laughs> it's going to take some time. And don't start with the whole conspiracy theory about this company versus this company got kicked off. Whatever. I think this is a, a second time I, I'll have to agree with Gretchen Gailey. Uh, 100%. I was excited when I saw it. Um, I was couldn't wait to hear some results back. And it's kind of interesting what we've heard back so far. And I have to agree with what was said in the article, too. Like the most frustrating thing on any of these social platforms when, when dealing with cannabis and getting your accounts taken down is there's no one to talk to. There's no like, this is what you right. did. This, if you changed, you know, if you change it like this, it could run fine. But because you did this, it didn't. You just don't know. And it's just like, you're, you're done. You're turned off. My face, I've lost Facebook ads like a year ago over trying to promote just a simple teaser for hitting the high road, promoting as a, an educational show. They mm -hmm. fuck, they took my, they took me down just for trying. Like I, 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 message. I was like, what can I do? And it was like, we're not talking to you. You're done. Yeah, we can't even sell our hemp shit. Yeah. We tried to like our, our hemp clothing on every platform get kicked off and we had to be do everything tongue in cheek. We don't sell weed. You can't <laughs> smoke. I mean, you can try smoking the hoodies. <laughs> but I mean, high. When I worked at New Frontier, we ran into the same problem a thousand times and we're pushing reports and data, but I can't say cannabis. I can't say marijuana. You got to come up with creative ways to do this stuff. And Stone is a thousand percent correct. Zero customer service on trying to figure out what you're doing wrong. And these companies aren't working with you to figure out how to do it right. It's all trial and error. Um, and until they really look at this industry as a good place to make money selling ads, they're not going to put that effort into it. And we just got to suck it up. At Panoptic Strategies, are you guys already um, trying to, uh, to run ads? Yes. Uh, not for me personally, but for clients. Yes, we are looking at how to do it, and we're working with mm -hmm. them to figure it out. Um, it's going to take some time. I, 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 have a, I have a serious question. Stone, what is up with your T-shirt, bro? Texas Prison I, uh, Rodeo. I was at it. Is that a real thing? It, it is a real thing. Does the winner get set free? I don't know. I, it, it seems like it would be like a Burt Reynolds movie set in like – late 80s i'm like 70s or something but i don't know i saw it at, at willie's place i was like i gotta have that t-shirt I, I, I think it's it like fantastic. An yeah <laughs> i mean i just want to know if if whoever wins if they get set free that's know, a great question we need to know. find that out to find that out <laughs> Talking too much about that shirt is going to get you in a trap. All right, we're going to keep this party uh, keep this party going. And up next, we have the 
our very own Washington insider and um, uh, PETA's most wanted for 2023 so far. She's been on the run from PETA agents all over the nation for dogs in the ugliest sweaters and the ugliest hoodies on earth. But you know what? She's here to give us a little bit of insider news. Maybe from Russia, maybe not. Come to the stage first. After me is Gretchen Gilly. My dogs love their pajamas, and Sean Kiernan will be happy yeah. to hear. I did find a set large enough for Bowser. They will be coming his way shortly. Oh, my God. More animals and ugly yeah. fucking outfits. They love them. They love them. Anyway, my headline, and I'm going to try and keep it semi-short for y'all. A major alcohol industry association calls for federal marijuana legalization, recommending regulatory framework. Uh, this is coming from Marijuana Moment. Major Alcohol Industry Association is officially backing federal marijuana legalization, sending a letter to congressional leadership on Wednesday that implores lawmakers to regulate adult use cannabis at the federal level. The Wine and Spirit Wholesalers of America said that the current conflict between state and federal law is not only causing adverse consequences for consumers and non-consumers of cannabis, but will also have long-term public health and safety costs that are too great to ignore. I'm going to skip ahead to what they are actually suggesting. Number one, the federal permitting of cannabis producers, importers, testing facilities, and distributors. The association said states should manage licensing for marijuana retailers, but it recommended that the federal government require permits for cannabis producers, importers, testing facilities, and distributors through the Department of Treasury's Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau. Number two, uh, the approval and regulation of cannabis products. They said new cannabis products should be subject to pre-market approval and federal registration, all, also through the TTB, uh, that would support existing quality control policies that are in place at the state level. A standardized label should be included on all marijuana items, too. They should feature information at a minimum about the product name, THC potency, net content, producer name and address, and a government health warning and the country of origin for those who are importing. Number three, the efficient and effective collection of a federal excise tax. They advise that a federal excise tax should be imposed for cannabis products at the producer or importer level, and it should be based on potency, just as beverages are taxed based on alcohol concentration. The taxes should be payable to the TTB on a semi-monthly basis. And number four, effective measures to ensure public safety. With respect to public safety, the association focused on deterring impaired driving and said that lawmakers should prioritize collaborative partnerships with law enforcement and researchers to develop technology that can identify active impairment from cannabis while also funding training for drug recognition experts on the roads. Uh, that's all I'm going to get into with this story. I would love to hear your opinions on whether or not you want uh, the alcohol industry backing us up. We keep talking about that we need money in this space. Uh Last year, I think cannabis put in about $5 million federal uh, lobbying. These guys last year on their own, one association for alcohol did one and a half million. Uh, so it might not hurt to have their money behind us. Uh, but I'm wondering if you guys agree with them. They are very much so a state's rights approach to cannabis. Um, and do you want them backing you? And do you want their help in Washington? This is Gretchen Fry at 9 News. I agree with all the stuff except for the DUI stuff because I don't believe that exists. Um, okay. I think yeah, I think we have no choice at this point. You gotta take you gotta take that money. And um just like I said in my article last week, big alcohol is best equipped to uh take over the uh adult use space. They I do like dollars. 
I do like the fact that they mentioned importation too, and that mm -hmm. uh, you would have to have the flag of the country of origin. And so that is going to be um, amazing once we have interstate trade for California cultivators to have that California flag, boom, right there on the label. And that way everyone knows it's California cannabis. California's not a country yet, though, Jason. Yeah, he wishes it was, Omar. Yeah, Omar. I mean, um, I'm all, uh, I'm down for the crossfade, <laughs> and I and I hope that the, uh, we can legally uh, get the crossfade going pretty soon here. I mean, what so I go ahead, Omar. I can't hear Omar, you. Omar, you're on mute. Omar, you're on mute, buddy. What yep. I don't like about the alcohol industry is that it's monopolistic and it's concentrated. It doesn't have a lot of diversity, uh, except when it comes to like craft beer. So if we have a craft beer model, I'm all for it. But if we're just going to have, you know, the big few tobacco co or alcohol companies running the show, I, I'm not welcoming that. Well, and that was going to be my next point. Back to you all, because I love to point fingers. You guys hate big pharma. So why do you love big alcohol all of a sudden? I think we should stay out of that. I don't, I, I, it's, it's, well, the thing about it is this is, you know, politics makes strange bedfellows. And the, 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 the main enemy that we have is the pharmaceutical industry, not necessarily the alcohol uh, beverage industry is not not as big of an enemy as the pharmaceutical. Because industry. you don't see him as a competitor. Correct. And also but, or no, they don't see us as a competitor anymore. They used to, but not anymore. Well, we're not really. Uh, frankly, from my what I've seen with data, I don't think we're that big of a competitor either. I mean, people are not. You know, my well, dad's not putting down his six pack on the weekend. To, oh, I'm going to go try pot now. No, no, no. That's but, not but how that's it works. Point, but so prior, prior, not to really any, prior to any legalization, big can uh, big alcohol always was nervous about cannabis legalization. I know they were. The I talked to those guys to. plenty of times. Yes. So this and, is what I'm saying is, is at first they were like that. Now they have evolved on the issue because they've seen the truth and crossfade for the win. And so they're, yes. they're yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd rather work with alcohol than, than pharmaceuticals. Well, and my concern would be, and this is kind of a question for Dr. Calloran, uh, there's no mention here whatsoever about medical. Um, how would the medical markets go forward? Um, medical markets going to go forward with uh, big pharma. That's where the money is on the medical Do you side. think that's the answer, Dr. Calloran, that medical go that side, go that route? Yeah. Med Medican will go with pharma. Yeah. Really? I think, I think you, you have to go with the industries that have the money. And um, and going forward, like that's where we are. Which means that it wouldn't be approved for quite a while. At least with alcohol, it will be approved now. now pharma accept cannabis because of the FDA. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, follow we, the money. We, we, and, we have we have Malik up in the clubhouse. <laughs> to speak on this, Malik. What do you have to say about this? Malik, are you with us? There we go. Malik, what do you got to say about this? We can't hear him. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, Malik. Hold on. Something. Try talking again, Malik. Go ahead. Yes. I'm curious if Big Al gets in the game, will it help with those stories we're talking about with like advertising to children since? You know, alcohol is on sale and stores. Kids can frequent it. It doesn't seem to be an issue. Did you guys get that? So he's saying mm -hmm. with big alcohol. And marketing kids. to children? Yes, marketing to children. What do y'all think about that? I mean, 
It's a good question. I, I think it's I think it's a good question, and there are some real questionable uh, um, labels on alcohol brands and and whatnot. Uh, but I do believe that the only way uh, forward for a lot of these adult use companies and adult use uh, retailers, they need money, and you can't survive um, in America right now uh, with the uh, with the margins the way that razor uh, razor thin margins. And with taxes as high as they are, like, how are you going to survive? Like, I, past next year, like, if you were a small mom and pop shop in the cannabis industry, how are you going to survive? We have hyperinflation. You can't write anything off on your taxes. And with, without having one foot in the trap and one foot in, uh, like, hoping that you get your license, like, like how, how are we going to move forward? I get it. I, I just don't understand. This is, uh, I, it's like you've turned into an old white guy all of a sudden, Rico. This is just <laughs> not what you've been saying at all for the past few years. Now we can't live without big money coming in. The big old backpedal coming up. Shit. I've been saying this is why I've been talking about reparations, period. I've been saying like, like this whole social equity thing has been a fucking lie. It's been wasting people's right. money. If you, don't have re- if you don't have reparations, how are you going to even talk about any kind of uh, generational wealth? I do agree with that. I'm not, I'm not saying that alcohol, big that. alcohol is going to offer it, it, an option, you know, uh, in, in the social equity lane. I don't know how that'll work out, like, like period. But I, I just think we need to stop fucking telling people that social equity is a path to generational wealth. That, that ain't going to happen. And if you want some kind of retribution for everything that happened to us and our communities in the past, we need to talk and get serious about reparations and all get on the same page about that. Well, I'll tell you this much. Social equity is definitely not a a pathway to uh, wealth and and all of that, especially with no 280E removal. So but we got to go to a commercial. We'll be right back. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Any thoughts and opinions and general overall shade thrown on High and Nine News are those of the individual speakers and not those of High and Nine News, its audience or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. If you're an easily offended person, this show is probably not f- for you. And maybe you should partner up with Big Alcohol too. Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Life is about choices. Stone Slade was given to. He could curl up under that bridge with the ATX Delta 8 D-Boys, or he could hit the high road. He chose the latter. 
Up next, y'all know who it is, the host of the show with the same damn name and fellow dope dad coming straight out of ATX, my man Stone Slade. Thank you, Rico. Today, my story comes out of Denver, Colorado. We all know how important cannabis education is and that it comes in many different layers, from educating the casual consumer about terpenes and away from the bullshit hunt for the highest THC to dialing in the right cultivar and dosage for a medical patient, uh, for a medical patient's individual needs. And of course, there's the children. There's also good cannabis education and bad cannabis education. A lot of us grew up in the, the good old just say no days when education was nothing more than scare propaganda. You'd go to school one day and there'd be cops there ready to scare you with, uh, with drug stories and try to get you to rat on your parents. <clears throat> Excuse me. And who could forget those commercials? You remember the, the parents find the teenager's stash and the dad says, who taught you how to do this stuff? And the kid replies, you, all right. I learned from watching you. And of course, the visual of, of your brain is a, a melting pad of butter that only gets more delicious and becomes a fried egg when your brain's on drugs. I know when I saw that commercial, all I wanted to do was go make some eggs. I think it's safe to say that Nancy Reagan's 1980s Just Say No campaign was a complete failure, in part because, and I've said this before, one thing I believe that Nancy Reagan and, and the government fails to see is that when it comes to cannabis, by creating cannabis prohibition and by villainizing instead of normalizing and spreading lies like they did, they created this taboo around the plant that naturally draws the curious teenagers to the thing they're not supposed to do. In 2017, the city of Denver began the High Cost Campaign, which is funded by cannabis tax revenue and aimed at educating the city's teenagers about cannabis. The initial contract for the program has expired and a new contract's been sought through a competitive bid process. In a presentation from city staff to the city council, uh, a representative said that the goal of the campaign is to ensure that Denver youth have the facts about marijuana so that they can make an informed decision not to use underage. So how effective has the high cost campaign been? Well, according to the information provided to the council, among teens aware of the campaign, 81% indicated that the high cost campaign discouraged them from using cannabis. Another 74% of teens engaged with online posts by liking, sharing, or talking about them with friends. The majority of teens agree that the high cost campaign has a clear message, is educational, trustworthy, and likable. Their data also showed that between paid media impressions and news stories generated, the campaign generated a publicity value of over $4 million, which included high costs and the weeded out game show being featured on CBS this morning in 2018. The city council will vote this Monday on whether to pay $375,000 per year for five years to the Amelie company to create content for the campaign. According to background information in the agenda provided to the council by city staff, they're aiming to refresh the campaign in 2023 to continue to be relevant and connect with youth, particularly in middle school and, and, and uh, priority populations at risk. The campaign will create new content to address new and emerging types of consumption, such as vaping or dabbing. They said it's a successful campaign will not employ scare tactics, but will use positive, engaging messaging to teach, teach youth about marijuana laws and the potential social and psychological impacts of underage marijuana use. They went on to say the campaign will be grounded and positive youth developments and principles. Principles. I like what I'm seeing here. I mean, it's it's the exact opposite of what we had when I was a teenager. Maybe education like this would have would have curbed our curiosity as teens. I consumed cannabis as a teen point blank because I liked how it made me feel. I benefited from the positivity of the plant. In spite of that, it definitely helped me overcome certain anxieties. But I got to say, at times, it made me a, a pretty lazy kid that didn't get a whole lot done. And it wasn't until my mid to late 20s that I actually became more of a functional stoner. And I'm guessing that happened maybe because my endocannabinoid system had become fully developed. I don't know. But I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. I'm Stone Slade reporting for the High at Nine News Hour.
I'd like to see this. Uh, uh, I would like to see more uh, like this. But um, and I hate to be like negative uh, on a positive campaign there, but Colorado's ten years in, and they just came out with this. 2017, 2017, 2017 Rico. They waited a good four or five years. <laughs> they couldn't oh, lead with, with the campaign like like this. Hey, listen, that's like Gretchen. Help, help Rico understand. It doesn't happen overnight. Rico, okay. Another white person's perspective. Please give it to me. Explain this to me, white lady. Please. This does not. This does not happen overnight, Rico. Me. Uh, number one, they had to raise some money to see if they wanted to educate about this first. To, get to see if they wanted to, to educate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? To see if they wanted to run this marketing campaign. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, but like the other day, I did the uh, I did the education from the Department of Education, that webinar, which I urge some of y'all to do. I know Dr. Felicia was on there with me. Why don't you throw uh, the link in the chat, Gretchen? So it's over, Jason. It the webinar happened. Oh. Uh, the point they can't is... watch it? Dude, you're killing me. Can I can I Go speak? Ahead. All right. My point was it was not horrific until it got to no offense, Dr. Talleyrand, one of your uh, uh, folks, uh, a, a doctor from Harvard, who she went down the reefer madness hole like I'd never seen. And I'm like, lady, are you a doctor or not? It was intense about what uh, she was saying. And and I CDC. she 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 kept on calling um she kept on calling um uh, uh CBD non psychoactive. Like you're well, not supposed and, to be doing that. Well, and also the CB well, the CDC also came in and said, Oh, you know, teen use is up, and then they went into their numbers on how it's up, and they're like, We see a great deal more usage in the 26-year-old bracket. And I'm like, type it. I'm like, how is teen use up? You're telling me everything's down except for this one age group, which aren't even teenagers. What the hell are you talking about? They did not respond to me though. Uh, I tried. Um, yeah, real quick too. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was interesting. I mean, but uh, truly, uh, so many folks are really stuck in the reefer madness side of things. So if Stone, you're saying that this Colorado program spoke to you a bit more, I'm glad to hear that because these folks on the uh, in, at Biden's level, ooh, they, <laughs> they they are taking a playbook right out from Nancy Reagan um, and what they were promoting. See, uh, well, you it, it's, it's scary. Uh, so I'm hopeful that the states will have better campaigns geared towards folks in their state and what they've seen uh in these programs um what what do you have to say on this dr t what were your thoughts um well i i'm just concerned about the education they're going to offer it, you know whenever you say education it's a double-edged sword are you going to provide miseducation or education there's a lot we don't know and i think being honest about that is going to be important with this campaign agreed hey that's that that's that's one of the realest points i've heard anyone say in this uh in the, on this topic dr Talleyrand. so no. did it give more details of educating it didn't it didn't give the details uh but just from what it sounds like it sounds like it's something that's that's relatable to the teens and it's something that they're they're, they're absorbing it instead of laughing at it i mean i those commercials back in the day still crack me up. <laughs> yeah. The kid melting on the couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like this is going in that direction. It sounds like they're they're focusing on educate proper education, and and the, you know the important thing is that it's getting it's getting them it's getting to them. So agreed. Giving yeah. Mm -hmm. Giving to the kids. Mm -hmm. huh? Thumbs up. Texas prison rodeo. You can't get off that shirt, man. I can't. It's just like it's like so wrong in so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. 
Let's keep it, let's keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Let's go to that commercial. We'll be right back. Thank you so much, Stone. Oh, yeah. Coming up next. That's right. It is the doctor, Dr. Talleyrand, who's had more patients than pretty much anybody in cannabis with more data than your computer. It is Dr. Talleyrand. Thank you, Jason. Happy Friday, everyone. Uh, My story today is coming with a bit of sarcasm from uh, WPDE ABC 15 News in South Carolina. The title is Medical Marijuana Used to Replace Opioids and Fight Addiction. So I'm from California. I gave my first medical cannabis recommendation in 1998. That's 25 years ago. Uh, The patient was in chronic pain. He handed me his prescription opiates and said, I don't need these anymore. That's a rare statement from a chronic pain patient because most are addicted to prescription opioids. Usually the statement is, I need more opiates. I asked the patient, how are you managing your pain? And he replied, I use cannabis. I just need your recommendation. So 25 years later, I read this article and see that a news station in South Carolina considers it news that cannabis replaces opioids and fights addiction. We are, are, we are in an age of rapid information. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok send messages around the world in an instant. But somehow the good people of South Carolina appear to think it's newsworthy that cannabis replaces opioids and fights addiction. The article goes on to explain that 37 states have legalized medical cannabis and several of those states designated opioid use disorder as a qualifying condition, meaning cannabis could be used to fight addiction. Apparently, the good people of South Carolina are aware that most of the United States has already realized what they are just considering news. Matthew Campbell, COO of Cannabetta Farm out of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, sells Delta-8 blunts and CBD flowers. He says, generally, it's prescription opioids, Percocet, stuff like that. You hear people coming in who don't want to take that stuff anymore because it's damaging to their bodies. You hear about people that stop taking all kinds of medicines. So I'm feeling like I've just come out of this time machine 25 years in the past. I look around and know I'm just in my kitchen reading the story from ABC News out of South Carolina. According to Recovery Research Institute, a Harvard Addiction Treatment Center, cannabis might have benefit benefits to treat opioid addiction, but it's yet to receive FDA approval. I get it. The good people of South Carolina are just waiting for the FDA to tell them cannabis is safe. After evidence of thousands of years of cannabis use and a toxicity profile that is more benign than aspirin or Tylenol, the good people of South Carolina prefer to wait. Rather, they prefer to let people smoke Delta-8 blunts. South Carolina State Senator Greg Hembree of District 28 says the FDA approval is crucial 
because politicians are not medical doctors. If the research supports FDA approval, all you need is FDA approval, and I'm a thousand percent for it, said Senator He feels he sees too many lobbyists, people with commercial interests, advocating for medical cannabis. I would rather debate recreational cannabis, he says. At least we know that's an honest debate. That's straight up. I wouldn't vote for it, but if the General Assembly voted for that, I wouldn't feel bad about that. As a medical cannabis bill uh, passed through South Carolina's House Committee this last month, known as the Compassionate Use Act, which is the same name given to the California's bill uh, 25 years ago. It also includes conditions such as cancer, Crohn's disease, PTSD, autism, and terminal illness. The bill will now head to Senator Hembry and the state Senate floor. We all know that Senator Hembry is not going to vote for it. He would rather wait until the FDA approves cannabis as safe before any dying patient in South Carolina has, has access to it. God forbid they die high. So I'm back from my visit to South Carolina. I hope things work out there. For those of you who enjoy historical trips, I recommend reading South Carolina news. What do you think? Will the good people of South Carolina approve medical cannabis? Is discussion of recreational cannabis a more honest debate? This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand reporting for Hyatt 9 News. It's a big, it's a big positive in the, yeah. the right direction. And especially in, in South Carolina, the heart of tobacco country out there. So I think it's a positive. It's a plus. 1998 was the first time you wrote a, a recommendation, Dr. Talleyrand? I'm old. <laughs> you are you are seasoned. Man. Well seasoned. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. 1998. I thought we Dr. T, you don't you, you don't look a day over 33 years old, man. 33. Man, that is amazing. I love this story. I mean, the the, the time capsule component. Like I was I was being all of a sudden. Uh, 25 years in the future like here we go (laughs) (laughs) and we're still talking about whether it works or not Mm -hmm. and 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 i really i I think that i uh, i really liked what what you were what you were saying there also dr Talleyrand, in regards to the let's have a let's have an honest conversation in regards let's let's debate debate it from adult use consumption perspective as opposed to getting into the nitty-gritty on the medical side and i think you're definitely going to win a lot more people's um common sense arguments um in regards to communicating it that way because ultimately it's a plant it's here um we we consume lots of plants like everyone ate some broccoli or some spinach you know what i'm saying the last you know 72 hours same similar type of thing well, I definitely feel doctors need to be involved uh, in terms of guiding people, but uh, you know, trying to get it through the FDA as medicine is is definitely an impossibility. Well, exactly. Well, anybody else want to comment uh, comment on that one? I think South Carolina will get legalization. I think they'll do it. <clears throat> Senator Embry's not going to vote for it. Well, the hell with him. 
What about Nikki well, Haley, your girl, the presidential candidate? Well, she would not be voting on this. This is a state issue. Um, she support it? I, I don't think she'll take a position, frankly. I yeah. think she will hide from it. Yeah. She's going to try to stay neutral as possible while um, uh, DeSantis and Donald Trump duke it out. I think she's holding out for Donald to be in jail and not have to deal with him. Mm hmm. Jason's quiet now. <laughs> stop, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. We, we, we got we to gotta keep it moving. This ad. Yeah. Run this. No, no, no. We don't have. We going right into Omar. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. My bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. I'm just going, I'm just going, shoot from the hip right here. Up next, we got the man with the bi-coastal boutique law firm and a purple belt in high style Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So if you fuck up the rotation, when in the cypher to break the wrist and walk away. Coming to the stage next, y'all know who it is, the man with the plan and the best voice in the game, Omar Figueroa. Thank you, Rico. Happy Friday, everyone. My story is from the San Francisco Chronicle by Lester Black. The headline is, Bay Area Cannabis Growth Linked to Chinese Organized Crime. Overseas Chinese organized crime groups are behind many of the illegal cannabis operations in Northern California, officials say. Chinese triads have been participating in illegal cannabis cultivation for several years in Northern California. David Hafner, a DCC spokesperson, said in an emailed statement, triads is a term used for specific organized crime groups that have a long history in China and have been caught trafficking drugs around the world. Hafner declined to provide more details about the connections between Chinese organized crime groups and illegal cannabis growth in California. A recent political story found that Chinese involvement in American cannabis cultivation has recently grown. Law enforcement in Oklahoma told Politico that 75% of the illegal pot farms they've shut down are connected to Chinese investors and Chinese organized crime. Hafner confirmed that the DCC believes an Antioch cannabis growing operation raided in December when four homes were found with more than 16 thousand illegal pop plants worth an estimated 14.8 million is linked to China. Chinese workers have long been found that illegal cannabis grows in the United States from Oklahoma to California, although many of these people appear to be victims of human trafficking. These workers are often forced to live in dangerous conditions and make very little money, according to an investigation by Searchlight New Mexico. The Department of Cannabis Control has increased its efforts to shut down the illegal cannabis market in California. In 2022, the agency led up operations that eradicated more than 260,000 plants, more than 10 times the 19,000 plants eradicated in 2021. One of the largest raids recently occurred in January at an Oakland warehouse where law enforcement found multiple firearms and more than 30,000 marijuana plants. Hafner declined to comment when asked whether that raid was linked to Chinese criminal organizations. My take is that the San Francisco Chronicle is continuing its long history of reefer madness with this xenophobic article 
which is short on facts and details. The article mentions that one of the largest recent raids occurred in January at an Oakland warehouse where law enforcement found multiple firearms and more than 30,000 marijuana plants. According to the article, the DCC representative declined to comment when asked whether that raid was linked to Chinese criminal organizations. In other words, the raid was not linked to Chinese criminal organizations. Um, and he should have made that clear. I think really the headline for this article should have been political, political article tries to exploit anti-Chinese xenophobia. And this is all relevant in the context of yesterday's Twitter hearings where you know we're seeing a lot of like anti-China rabid uh, you know, xenophobia and it ends up hurting the Chinese Americans who live here who are US citizens. I think that this article is uh, you know, just shows how small-minded the Chronicle is, and they should start doing some real investigation, writing better articles, and you can read the article on Hyatt 9 News. Uh, this is the, uh, let me finish up. <laughs> the um, headline is Bay Area Cannabis Growth Linked to Chinese Organized Crime. This is Omar Figueroa, lawyer, publisher, and Ganjie instructor, reporting from Sonoma County, California, the traditional territory of the Pomo, Miwok, and Wapo nations for Hyatt 9, High Noon Eastern. Thank you so much, Omar, because Jason and Gretchen tried to poo-poo when I said the same damn thing about Politico that I, that I covered. In Oklahoma, and now it's happening. They're, they're noticing it in Northern California. I think this is the a serious shit. problem, bro. This is a bunch of fucking propaganda, dude. I don't buy that. I'm not this buying a propaganda it. effort. I'm not buying the propaganda. This is a propaganda effort, man. And um, one-sided articles talking about, oh yeah, they're tied Stop. to this, they're tied to that, but like, nah, man. They're just trying to. There's a shiny object, and they want to get you all revved up because they have problems with China. Their economy has problems with China. If you have so many problems with uh, with, with 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 nations that that have people that are not white mm -hmm. and just say it stop it, bro. <laughs> this is just not propaganda it. this is this is real shit that's going on people are getting exploited you know what i'm saying people stop are getting it. exploited regardless whether yeah, it's a russian mob oh so now you guys are fine with people getting exploited now all of a sudden they try to make a big fuss about the Mexican uh, cartel. They make try to make a big fuss about the Chinese uh, running shit. But you know what? Like how much Russian mobsters that, you know, in the game behind the scenes, like without naming names, like it, there's been a ton, period. Illegal are, you, are you trying to say that I don't know any Asian gangsters in the scene? Is that what you're is that what you're implying? <laughs> That's not what I said. Well, and I mean, I, 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 illegal illegal business, illegal I would only know one, one race of gangsters. Illegal, in illegal business. Period. It has ah, nothing to do with, like, oh, we need to tie, we need to tie this, tie this to the CCP. Bro, are like, you, are you, are, are you, stop it. Stop, stop. But is there any truth to this? Come on, there's got to be some history. American history repeating itself once again. Like, when it, when it's, when it's white gangsters running shit. Oh, it's cool. Let's make a bunch of cool ass movies about this shit and tell the fucking story. <laughs> but when it's black, Brown or other uh, running these uh, running illegal industries, like oh, we need to all be afraid. Oh, no. We need to go to war with them, like, and we need to support them. Like, give, give me. A I don't know if here. anybody. Rem I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not buying whatever you're selling, Rico. 
because no, but you will go do a fucking movie. Like you will go to you will go to a white gangster movie. Malarkey, okay, because I can tell you what the Asians have been growing weed. This is not like some new thing. This is something that they've been doing. Like of I can course. remember back in the yeah. back in the you know, saying back that. in the '90s, this is this was happening. But but sure. this is a big. They're, they're they're causing a big fucking scare about it because it's not white people running the shit. No, that's, that's, that's what's not going why. on. That's not why they're doing yes. it. Stop it. Stop. Stop. Yes. Stop the propaganda. Well, oh I see anti-Chinese <laughs> xenophobia, and that's why the Chronicle is trying to whip up this, you know, yellow scare that somehow the Chinese are running all these illegal cannabis operations without any evidence. You know, if they really had detailed evidence, fine. You know, it's happening. We got to combat it. But this is just a bunch of, you know, uh, xenophobia, and it impacts Asian Americans who are not safe yep. to walk in their streets of their own country. They're citizens just like us. We got to think about how it impacts other people too. I, I agree with Omar. Not every Asian is Chinese. Uh, That's one hundred percent for when sure. When they start making links, yeah, and when they start making links based on on race and ethnicity, you've got to have a, a red flag. You know, not every brown person is Mexican. How do we? Uh, how, so how, how, how I am. We, I have a question. How are we just? How how are we all assuming that this is all just just put together by just, just oh the, the, the Asians over there or whatever how do we not know that there's some arrest records or there's some there, there's some actual like money ties links to different triads or what why, why don't you ask the reporters that that's instead, right. of putting, instead of putting this shit out there without the fucking but don't evidence you, don't you have faith in the reporter that they would have they would have they would have oh my god that, that, that oh my god you have faith in the fucking reporters have faith in mainstream fucking media coming from you, you of all people jason from you Come on, been in the article, Jason. They would have said this report right is based I'm on just interviews and review of confidential files and review of XYZ. It would have been referred to in the article. Uh, look, all I'm saying is, is the story that we had yesterday in regards to this, where it was talking about with Oklahoma, there was yeah. clear law, law enforcement data. Showing no, there wasn't. This was no, no, there wasn't. The yes, dude yes, said there was. The dude said about seventy-five percent. There was no evidence of that. He said about seventy-five percent. He has evidence. All, he has of all the illegal it. activity you was tied so, to Chinese gangsters so, or, Chinese, or the so, CCP. So full of no evidence. Platform to fucking say that. All this does is put more stigma on people of a color. Period. All it does when you don't have hard evidence because of that, and then what, what's going to happen 20 years from now? Oh, we were wrong for doing that, we were wrong when we said that. But no. who has benefited from that? They got some evidence the military industrial complex. Stop it, they got some evidence. No but evidence. Any, any thoughts that? on this, Gretchen, before we close out? Wrap it up, wrap it up. <laughs> it's um, a wrap. You know what? That's haters over here. <laughs> haters. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you all for getting high at nine with us every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big thank you to our audience and supporters for always tuning in daily and listening to the insanity that is the developing cannabis industry. Thank you all to all of our haters for talking about us, thinking about us, because we have the most immaculate pieces of property rent free inside of your head. Thank you so much to our sponsors. I Spire, DNA Genetics, LAXCC. Highly educated, and thank you all for Cannabis Sativa L for giving us a reason to do this. Thank you to Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, Green Street, and of course, Zaza Simone Brown holding it down in Clubhouse. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. It's America's number one daily cannabis news show. <laughs>